0: Amen, church. Everyone can go ahead and and have a seat this morning. Welcome to to Church Project. If you're a first-time guest, uh, we want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. So over on the lamp on your right and left, there's Bibles. Uh, You can just raise your hand and someone will bring you a Bible. But we've been going through the book of Luke for a very, very long time. Almost two years. Congratulations. We're getting towards the end of the book of Luke, and so we're going to continue walking through this. However, as Weston said earlier, we are leading up to the Passion Week. And the Passion Week is what we celebrated at Easter when when Jesus on the cross dies a brutal death and then raises from the dead. And this is what Easter is known about. And so, what we're doing is we're going through the seven sayings that Jesus said while he hung on the cross for humanity. So, we're going to get to that in a minute. But I'm very excited what's happening this morning for Church Project. If you've been. Coming for a while, uh, you've been praying for this. Uh, if this is a first time, ge- uh, if you're a first time guest here, this might be a little new to you, and you're gonna you're gonna find out something about uh, a little bit of the structure of church project. But we, as a church, we've been praying for plurality of leadership. We've been praying for elders that we would be a group of men, and we'd be a church led in plurality. And so I'm gonna ask. Last week we had the men stand up and say, "Church, pray that God would move and God." Us to lead us to the men that he's had for us, and so it's with complete confidence that I want to invite up our men and, and their um, spouses to come up so you will see who the leadership of church project is. So, if you guys can go ahead and, and make your way on up here, uh, a few of our spouses are gone, <laughs> and uh, Jared's not here either. So I want to I go through and just, just introduce everyone really, really quick, uh, but this, this is the leadership of Church Project, and I take great comfort knowing that this is led by a plurality of individuals. And so um, we, we have Kendall and Tiffany Brazelton over here. We'll just go through names. I don't know if we're supposed to bow, or I don't know what we're supposed to do. Jack and Patricia, or Trish, which you prefer either. Mount, thank you. I knew that. Jeremy and his wife, Brittany. She's not here, but there, there's Jeremy and Brittany. We have Chad and Christina Harding right here. Um, uh, Weston and what's your name? <laughs> Kristen Kurz. We have Jason and Emily Shelton. And then my wife, Lauren, and myself, Aaron, And church, um, this is awesome. If you've ever been a part of a church In the makeup of a church, there's different philosophies of how to have leadership. But to say that this is the leadership of the church, look at how much Satan has to play around to derail this church now. This is amazing. So thank you for your prayer for this. Thank you um, for praying for us as we go through this. But we just wanted to show you who the leadership is. These are the official elders as we move forward. This is the leadership of Church Project. Now what I would like to do, just as this is kind of just the moment where we're going to say, all right, here's the mantle, and we are the elders. And so what we've asked to do is actually uh, invite up an elderly person. My grandpa and grandpa, if you would, can you play pray a prayer blessing over this these men here and the elders as we move forward? I'm gonna give you that. I don't need that. I don't take. Do I? Yeah, just hold it right there. There
1: you go. Okay. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that you reach out and touch the lives and the hearts of individuals that you want to call into a role of leadership. And there's some awesome responsibilities to go with it, but there's also some tremendous blessings just by knowing that we are in your will and we are doing what you called us to do. So I ask your greatest blessing upon these men and their wives today. I pray that you'll give them wisdom from above. I pray that you'll give them strength of body. And I pray that you'll open their hearts and feel a real compassion for those that they're going to be reaching out and ministering to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Appreciate that blessing. Um, good morning, church family. Um, I'm excited. I hope you're excited about uh, this process. Um, we felt like as a leadership team that it would be valuable to just pause, just take a couple minutes and talk about what just happened a little bit. Maybe shepherd our hearts, kind of get everybody on the same page. And so we just want to take a couple minutes and talk about this idea of eldership, just for a couple minutes. And if I overstay my welcome, Chad's going to cowbell me off the stage. So this is going to be a couple minutes, and then Aaron's going to come up, open up the word for us this morning. But um, the reality is with eldership, we're in a bunch of different places. Okay, you, you may have a good experience with that word. I say the word eldership, and you you feel comfortable with that. You may have a really bad experience with the word eldership, and you may have no experience with the word eldership. And so how do we um, collectively as one church family um, come under as united as we possibly can um, and march forward under this idea of church structure, which is eldership. And so we just want to take a couple moments and just talk about that process. Maybe um, think about um, maybe your experiences in the past, and our goal this morning is to take those experience and put them before the word of God and say, God, how would you refine all of us, regardless of where we're at um, in this process? And what would you teach us? And so that's the goal here, just a couple minutes, is to talk about, like a family meeting, what is eldership? So that's what we're going to do. Eldership. Eldership is an office inside church structure. Where qualified men are given the public responsibility of having the right to provide shepherding care and governing direction over the local expression of the church which God's entrusted to them. So that's a mouthful. It's a lot of stuff to think about. I'm the one that wrote it, and I'm almost having difficulty remembering all of those different things, okay? So it's the it's a, it's a public recognition of men who are qualified that God has set apart to give shepherding care and governing direction for his church, okay? And I want to just kind of pause on that and just take a couple of those phrases and just walk through biblically where Church Project gets that definition. Does that make sense? So... Um, The first one, biblical eldership requires a public, recognized plurality. And plurality in this definition means more than one, okay? Um, If you look back in the book of Acts, um, beginning in uh, all the way, but we're going to jump like to the middle of it, Acts 14, 23. um, There's a story that's taking place, and that story is Paul's going out, he's on his missionary journey, and he's going through uh, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and something's happening as Paul goes out. He's taking with him this gospel message, and as this gospel message goes out, people get saved, and those people that are saved, they come together, they start meeting together, and the need for leadership, the need for eldership is formed um, all the way back in the book of Acts. And so In Acts uh, 14, verse 23, it says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So this is a consistent pattern throughout the book of Acts. We don't have time to go through all the examples about biblical eldership and the way in which it happened. Okay? Um, we're going to talk about that more as a, as a church collectively in the future. I'm excited about that. Um, but the reality is um, people came, they got saved, they gathered together, and there was a need to shepherd that, a need to um, provide leadership for it. And Paul even um, tells uh, Timothy, if you're familiar with Paul and Timothy's relationship, to go out and do it in Titus 1. Verse 5, he said, This is why I, Paul, left you in Crete, that you might amend what was defective and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Okay? So, elders are publicly recognized, and there seems to always be a plurality, meaning more than one. Okay? That's the first thing. Second thing, biblical eldership provides shepherding care and governing direction. And if you look into the book of Acts, which is just a sweet case study of the church as it's growing, you see that as people come to faith and they come together and they gather together, there are needs that become more and more apparent within this body. Okay. And so there's leadership that's over this body that says, Hey, look, we're getting pulled in too many different directions here. Okay, we've got to do these things. We've got to wear this hat. We've got to wear this hat. We've got to wear this hat. So how are we supposed to provide the shepherding care and the governing direction of this church? And so they actually stop in Acts chapter 6 and they appoint men and people to take care of those physical needs so that they might do two things, okay? Continue to be committed to prayer, and the ministry of God's word. So at a really basic level, that's eldership. God is taking men amongst this body and he's saying, look, I'm going I'm to earmark these men so that they would pray for you and that they would minister God's word. Okay. <clears throat> Biblical eldership also has qualifications. God didn't just um, say, Here's the open door. Those who want to come in, come and do it. He wanted to protect his church. He wanted to protect his bride. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1, there's an exhaustive list of the qualifications for the men that stood up here. Um, Some of those are above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, dignified, an apt teacher, not violent, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money blameless, not a drunkard and so on and so on and so on. And the challenge as we have is you look at that list and you're just like, well, then nobody's qualified to run God's church. I mean, you blameless, okay, above reproach. Those are really high marks. So how are we supposed to interpret and understand those marks and um, if we hold all of Scripture together as we look at this idea of what eldership is, we understand that no one's perfect and no one can be. That's why the gospel is so important, is so valuable to us. And if we also hold together some of other, Paul's other writings about this idea of qualifications, he encourages Timothy and Titus 2, verse 7. He says, Show yourselves in all respects as a model of good deeds, and in your teaching show integrity gravity, and sound speech so that it cannot be censured. So as we look at these qualifications, I think it's best to look at them in terms of the life trajectory of an elder. Consider these men that have come up, and as you look into the possibility of being an elder, is there marks of these kind of pursuits in their life, in their past? And are they pursuing it today in the future? And, and kind of hold that as the um, qualification, not perfection, but life trajectory. Does that kind of make sense? Okay. So biblical eldership, it's public. It seems to always be in a plurality, meaning more than one. And it provides shepherding care and governing direction. And it's all done by qualified men that God has chosen to be the ministers of prayer for you as a flock and to ministry God's word. And there's just two other like closing thoughts that I had as I was thinking about this and realizing that there are books that are written on this topic and I'm trying to talk about it in seven minutes. Um, you might be familiar with terms like pastor, shepherd, overseer, bishop, um, and And maybe another a couple other words that i 'm leaving out all of those words are used in scripture, as well as the word elder and and church project believes that these all these words are all interchangeable, okay meaning that they all hold the same amount of authority and role in what they represent, okay so the title of pastor scripturally. Church Project believes that that title of pastor is the same as elder, okay? Maybe that's um, making it too simplistic, but that's what we believe as a church, that um, the New Testament uses numerous words to to describe the same office, the same position of leadership. And so whether it's pastor, whether it's called pastor, whether it's called elder, whether it's called bishop, whether it's called overseer, okay, Scripture is using different words to describe the same office. So... Um, although all leaders are called um, to be about this prayer and to be about ministering the word of God, the way in which they do that is going to be different in different situations. And a couple examples of that to just kind of hone that in um, is that not all elders are going to teach on Sunday morning from the pulpit. That doesn't mean that they're not elders. It doesn't mean that they don't have the same authority and the same um, functional care for this church. Um, another example might be that all elders, um, although they have the same responsibility and the same um, heart they 're not all going to have the same time commitment to this church. okay One of the probably the best examples that we have of this um, is the relationship Aaron has with this church as opposed to maybe the relationship Jack has with this church, okay. There's just a different time commitment. That doesn't mean anything more than the fact that it's a time commitment difference. Okay? So as we as Americans, I think we, we um, see that differently. Biblically, I don't think it's necessarily accurate. Okay? So we want to hold those things openly as we go through this process. Um, those are just two examples of thousands of, of examples about the different gifts that God gives different elders in the way in which he's working all things to move this body um, towards the pursuits and the, the, the um, purpose that he has for it. So that's one. The other one is um, just a, a word of caution. Um, I, I tried to think of a, a great way of articulating this, and I'm not sure I have, so I'm going to try, and we'll see what happens. Um, all elders must be godly people, but not all godly people must be elders. Okay. Um, what do I mean by that phrase? Uh, it means, the crux of that is, um, we are one body. If you want to look at that, look at First Corinthians chapter 12, okay? The way in which we are going to serve this body, you and I, is different, okay? We've been called to different things whether it's Aaron and I. We've been gifted in different ways. And the value that that difference brings to this body is significant. And so as we look at the role that elders have and the role that the congregation has, I think the, the biggest value that we have is the pursuit towards godliness. And the way in which we're going to do that and the way in which we're going to serve it is going to be different, but not different in value. Does that make sense? So I, we could talk all morning uh, about that one little point, but it's just something that I want to throw out that's important for us to all understand as we look at this leadership role and as we consider it, um, and as we look at this as a, as a body, as a collective whole, and the value that you guys bring um, to this place is significant, and the way in which you guys are serving Jesus and heralding the gospel is very significant, and I think in the American culture, we can break apart the congregation and the church from its leadership. And I don't think biblically that's what um, God desires us to do. And so those are the, just a the couple things. Um, I charge you all to be prayerful for this group of men and our wives um, consistently, um, specifically in humility as we don't know how God's going to continue to grow this body. He does, we don't know how he's going to do it, what it's going to look like. And so for humility on our part to come before the king, and say, Lord, what would you do with this church? This is your church. It's not our church. What would you do with it? Um, that'd be the first thing. Um, dependence on prayer in that. Um, and then just a, just a heart for you all in, in whatever we can do to continue to help grow and equip us all. Um, there's a great book out there um, by uh, a guy named Tripp. And he, his tagline is, Broken People Helping Broken People. I mean, that's right, that's right what it is. And so just your prayers for sanctification, your prayers for our growth as we pursue Jesus in our personal lives, in our uh, private lives with our, with our families, and collectively, just ask that you would pray for that and be diligent in it. So um, does that make sense? Some people are like, yeah, some people are like, uh-uh, no. Get the cowbell out, get him off stage. All right, so let's just pray. I just want to pr- pray for this time um, again and then have Aaron come up. And uh, open up the word of God for us this morning. Lord Jesus, you are such a kind and gracious shepherd. And uh, we don't know uh, how to do all these things. We don't have this all figured out. I'm so thankful for the, the humble um, name of this church, which is Church Project. And the, the reality that we are all people in progress, making progress towards um, knowing and beholding you more. And we all um, are on a sweet journey to pursue that. And so I just ask that you um, give us great wisdom, give us great unity as a church, continue to refine us and grow us. Lord, help us to continue to hold the gospel central in all things that we do. May we be a, a church that's marked with love for people that come in these, these um into, these, into our lives, Lord, regardless of this room, that we would be people that would just herald um, such a great message of hope and love that you've given to us, Lord. It's such a humbling and sweet um, kingdom that you've invited us into, Lord. So I pray that you help us to continue to um, push back um, the reign of darkness, Lord, that you would continue to open up our eyes to behold you greater and open up the eyes of the people in our lives that do not know you. And uh, we just want to ask for your blessing over Aaron this morning as he opens up God's word. May we be receptive towards it. We ask this all in your name. Amen.
0: You like the awkward mic change here? We need to get another one of these. Jason, thank you. Thanks for thanks for teaching us um, on on eldership. And here, here I mean, you, you got to just see a display this morning of of what we mean by plurality of leadership. And we're all gifted. We're all a, a member of the church, and we're all going to be moving forward. And Jason, thanks for teaching us what eldership looks like. Uh, So I said we're in the book of Luke, we're jumping to the book book of John, because we're going through the seven sayings of Jesus, and this one is found in John. It's not found in Luke, so go ahead and open your Bible to John chapter 19, verses 25 through 37. If you need to stand up and stretch, David, go ahead, man, stretch it out. Okay, stretch it out. John chapter 19, verses 25 through uh, 27 is a very simple uh, Bible, Bible chapter uh, saying right here. And it's what Jesus is saying, why he's dying on the cross. And then I'm going to go ahead and teach us what it is I feel like God has for us this morning, which is a powerful, powerful message for everyone. So here it is. John chapter 19, verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When she saw his mother and the disciple, whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So Jesus is hanging on the cross, dying an excruciating death, and he sees his mother, and he sees some women there, and he sees the disciple he loves, which is John. You can research that. And what does he say? He says this, woman, behold your son. And he says to the disciple whom he loves, behold your mother. And what we see here is a great example of what we even just saw this morning. Jesus, again, hands the church over to the church. Jesus is dying on the cross, and he said, I've been leading this thing. You've been following me. But as human eyes are looking at Jesus dying on the cross, physically he gives us a reminder. And he gives the church over. He gives his mother over to John and gives us a beautiful reminder representation. This is a physical display of what Jesus is doing. He's releasing the church and he's saying, you church, in John 14, 21, you will do even greater things than I. And he's saying, you church, in Matthew 16, 18, gates of hell will not stop it. And Jesus is dying on a cross and he's saying, church, you are going to be victorious. And I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to guide you, to teach you, to love you, to prod in you. And church, what was one is now many. Can you see what Jesus is doing on the cross? John, this little disciple John, some say he was young in his teenage years right now, is standing there. Where are all the other disciples? Oh, where's everyone else? Uh, Did they run off in fear? Where's everyone else? And John is just standing there as Jesus hands his mother over to John to take care of. We see throughout church history. Think think back into church history. We see people that just stand up when the time is, is right for them to stand up and to either follow Jesus or not follow Jesus. I, I think of Luther on October 31, 1517, when he goes and he nails his 95 theses to the cathedral door and he says, Papacy, Pope, I, it, it's not about you. You're not the one that's guiding this whole thing. It's about the priesthood of the saints and Luther stands up. We also see Calvin, and he greatly influenced the Puritans as they came and founded North America, and we see Calvin standing up. We see in the Bible multiple places in church history, multiple places when Jesus handed the church over and said, you are the church, I'm gifting you. We see men and women standing up because they're gifted and they're able to stand up. God has Empowered them to be part of this body of Christ, an integral part of the body of Christ. So Jesus says he's hanging on the cross. He's obeying his father's command, which is to die, defeat death. But yet he's still fulfilling and he's still concerned about the body of Christ. He's concerned about the church and he's concerned about who? His mother side note as jesus is is dying on the cross right here there's there's some thoughts in religion and there's some different thinkings about uh, who Jesus is and about the deity, who God is. And, and one of those is that, as we're seeing here, it, our Bible teaches us that God is fully human and he's fully deity. He's fully in the flesh and he's fully God all in one. But there's different teaching. Gnostic teaching believes that anything material is corrupt, have you learned this as you've been thinking? Gnostic teaching says that anything that is material is corrupt. And there's a dualism between spiritual and physical, and it's separated. So if you're Gnostic, you're not looking at Jesus on the cross thinking that this is God in the flesh. But we, as we follow the Bible, we see in Colossians 2, nine, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells in body. And so as we look at Jesus, we say, you are Jesus, fully human and fully God in one. And we see Jesus bleeding on our behalf and defeating death on our behalf. And we see this beautiful picture. So Jesus is looking at John. And he's looking there and he's saying, I'm going to give you the church. John was called by Jesus. If you look back in the Bible, John was called by Jesus. He was a fisherman by trade. And John was influenced by John the Baptist. And Jesus himself picked him out and said, come, follow me. I imagine as John's standing there. Think think about your life. A young teenager full of passion standing there watching your teacher die on the cross. Think about your life. And Jesus says, hey, John, here's my mother. Take care of her as your own. What are you thinking at this point? I mean, what an honor? I, I, I don't know. How mature is John in his thinking right now? And as he's living his life, what's he thinking? Is he, is he saying, but, but Jesus, I had different plans. Like I, I wanted to go to Rome. I wanted to eat some falafel. I wanted to go sand dune surfing or wh- whatever. Like this is a young guy and all of a sudden Jesus says, here's my mother. Treat her as your own. I wonder what he's thinking. Church, in the same way, I do the same thing all the time. Like, I, like I, I'll look at you and I'll say this. Let me know if there's anything that you need from me. I'm here to serve you. Like, like, like I'm here. But then you call me to move your gun safe. And I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know about that. Or, or your refrigerator. And I'm like, ah, I just don't know about. Or you call me to watch your kids that have as a runny nose. And I'm like, ah, kids? Oh. Like, right? You call I can create excuses. I wonder if John in that moment for a split second was like, do you asking me to do what? You understand that's going to rearrange my entire life plan? No more falafel? Like, well, well, what are you asking me to do? This is shattering all of my plans. And what we're seeing here is Jesus looking at John in full confidence saying, I've gifted you, I've put you in this spot, and i am giving you my mother to watch after. And we see Jesus giving over the church, all of it, to all of us and saying, I am gifting you to be the church. You better be glad that I am not leading worship. And Jeremy is. He's gifted To do that. It's a beautiful picture of what it looks like when the body of Christ is using its gifts and its skills that God's given us to move together in unison. So I've got a weird story, and it's about relationships, because what we're talking about today is the body of Christ. We're talking about us, the church. So if you have shared experiences with people, it's a good thing, It makes you smile. It makes you feel comfortable. And I knew this. I I knew that uh, there was this really hot woman, young woman. And she decided to drive from Colorado Springs to Denver, where I was living, Colorado Springs. She was going to fly home and, and go visit her parents. And as she went to the airport, snowstorm hit, a blizzard hit. And she happened to call me. Because I was pretty good looking too. And she said, blizzard's coming. My flight's been canceled and, I, and I'm from Colorado. I, I'm, I'm invincible. So I know I can drive from Colorado Springs to Denver in a snowstorm in a, in a, a rear wheel drive car. I know I, know I can do this. And I know that if Lauren, by the way, if you haven't picked up on that, uh, Lauren, the hot woman, is stuck at DIA, she could be there for days. And so I immediately said, uh-uh, no way. I jump in my car. I start flying recklessly down I-25, about die, ask me later, I'll tell you that story, uh, multiple times. Finally, I get, get to DIA. This is before cell phones, or before we had them. So I paging Lauren. Finally, we we connect, and, and I get her in the car, and we take off right as DIA is closing. I'm like, yeah, we beat the man, but now there's snow everywhere. Roads are like crazy. They're closing roads everywhere, and so now here we are, young and kind of in love, stuck in a snowstorm, and we need to get back to Colorado Springs. Roads are closed. Did I tell you that? So for the next 36 hours, Lauren and I, I don't know what we do. We don't have any money, What do we, what do we, we go to an IHOP because we're hungry. All the food's gone because people are just living in there hotels are full, like that matters, we don't have any money anyways, so for the next 36 hours, we drive around, and we help people get out, because they're stuck, and we go, and we think we're hungry, and you know, well, I don't know what we did for 36 hours, we ended up remembering, oh, we have a friend here, and found their house, don't know how we found their house, and stayed the night there, and then the next day, you know, thinking, yeah, we're gonna make it, we go back roads all the way to Carlisle Springs, I don't, hey, listen, we shouldn't have made it. We should have died those 36 hours. It was, it was stupid. But we made it back, and my car was dirty and nasty and messed up, and we had a shared experience and shared moment, and we had bled together and laughed together. And I thought, oh, I'm going to marry this woman because she didn't want to kill me after 36 hours. So that's, that's pretty good. Why do I tell you this? Shared life. <clears throat> Shared life, church, shared experiences, shared stories, things that drive us here, words you can read on those, boor- on those boards as you walk out is we wanna be a church that we get together our Sunday gatherings. This is it, a Sunday gathering. Look around, pretty good looking people here. But we also have our house churches and we meet throughout the week in different locations at different times. Why? Shared experiences to prod each other on, to love and good deeds, to laugh, to cry, to spill Pepsi on Jeff's white carpet. Wait, you have wood all throughout your house. Okay, Carl's white carpet, whatever. We have those. We have ministry partnerships. Why do we have ministry partnerships? So when we're down serving and we're doing stuff together and we're laughing, we have shared experiences and we grow together and as a church, we bring our skills and our giftings together this is what Jesus is saying as he's looking at John. He's saying, John, I can no longer do this. Look after my mom. And he's saying to us, church, he's saying, church, I can no longer do this by myself. You, you are going to do it. More greater things than I myself. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to do it. And you're each going to be gifted to do the things that I've gifted the church to do. I will accomplish my will through you. By the way, did you come in here today beat up? A little bit confused? about life, your purpose in life, and and what it is God has designed you to to do. Jesus has uniquely gifted every one of us to be an active part of this community called the church. Acts 2.42 says this, and I'm going to read, read through a couple of verses here. Acts 2.42, look at this beautiful picture that Jason talked about, um, the early church. Look at this picture of what the early church looked like. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. The church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to praying. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds the proceeds to all as they had in need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Why and how did he do that? Because they had everything in common and they, they spent time together, they prayed together, they moved together, they were strong with each other, they were weak with each other, they bled with each other, they cried with each other. Church, how powerful would we be if this was our life today? No one could sit here and say, you don't have a relationship with people. Because we'd be moving together in one as the body of Christ. A dynamic force pushing back the gates of hell. This is something that I want to be a part of. What about you? Like together, I'm, I, me, I'm pretty strong. Right, Jeff? No, come on. Together together unstoppable force as Jesus uses our church that's what I pray for that each and every one of us will be disciples in the making pushing back the gates of hell as we do what God has designed us to do amen that's an amen right amen yeah this next week we're taking a team of people to Haiti 10 people from here 10 people from the woodlands Texas we're going to live this out we're going to see this We're going to see the same love message, gospel message here in Greeley, Colorado, over in Haiti. And we're going to be a part of that. And we're going to be a part of the church there, united as one family. I don't know about your family, but does your family have conflict? You can say yes, unless you've got the perfect family. Does your family have conflict? Yes. How about this morning? Did your family have conflict? Yes. Our family, church... We'll have conflict as we each step into the position that God's designed and gifted us to do, that we come alive in. We're going to have conflict as we move together in the church. So I want to give us some biblical understanding and teaching of how to handle this conflict of communication that we may have as we each come on fire for what God's gifted us to do. You ready for these? If you've grown up in church... Maybe you know what these are called, but the Christian communication, our Christian communication is a skill we must choose to learn by submitting to the word of God and by applying it to our lives. Do you want to move together as a body of Christ? I do. So how do we do this, church? It's called the one another's. You heard the one another's? By the way, if you're not on the email list, Fill out one of those cards and put it in one of the offerings because I'm going to email these out later this week so you have them because I'm going to rattle through a lot of verses. You ready? Put your seatbelts on. These are, the, these are the one another's. This is how we communicate. This is how we live together, church, passionately doing what God's designed us to do. Whew, this is going to be fast. Love one another. Forgive one another. And by the way, in the email, I'll give you all these verse references so you can read them. Love one another. Forgive one another. Be servants to one another. Uh oh. We have to serve each other. Beautiful. As Christ served his church. As we move together in unison. Show hospitality to one another. Pray for one another. Do, Do we pray for each other, church? Are you getting to know people here? Getting to know their prayer requests? What about house church? Are we praying for each other, church? I hope so. I need a lot of prayer. Build up or edify one another, greet one another, forbear one another, do not judge one another, do not speak evil of one another, do not murmur against one another, do not bite or devour one another. I like that one, especially the biting part. Do not bite or devour one another. Do not provoke and envy one another. Have the same care for one another. Receive one another. Teach one another. Admonish or counsel one another. Submit to one another. Confess your sins one to one another. One another is getting hard to say. Do not lie to one another. Be kind to one another. Comfort one another. On and on we go. This is the beauty of the church as we move in communication and relationship as God grows us to be who he's designed us to be, to be the unstoppable force called the church, the ecclesia. This isn't a casual thing. This is an awesome honor to be a part of. Here's the deal. You want want it just in plain English? Your wins are my wins. I celebrate when you celebrate, church. And we celebrate with you when you celebrate, church. And your pains are my pains. We sit with each other. We walk with each other through the hard times of life. Because life can get hard, can't it? But you're not alone. You have the body of Christ moving with you and empowering you. Individual parts moving together in unison Amen. Thank you, God, for the strength of your church, and thank you for plurality of leadership as we saw this morning. Thank you for gifting us to be who we are. You want a visual of this? Here's a couple visuals. Kale, Everyone wave at Kale. He's a great dude back there. Cale, we got some pictures of this, what it looks like. Last night, we had a Jenga. Did I say that right? Jenga? Jenga? Jenga fundraiser thing for Katie and, and Robbie Hill as they're about to go travel the world and, and tell people about the love of Christ. But, but here's some, well, go back, go back to Kindle. This is funny. Like, we're, we're doing life together. Look, like poor Kindle man. She could barely even, like, reach the top. Okay, good job, Kindle. All right, next one. Uh, uh, man, Wyatt. Carter, what are you doing? Just pull it out. Like, pull it. Come on, just pull it out. Like, church. We're moving together. We're doing life together. If you were there last night, it was a lot of fun. What's What's the next one? What's it say? Oh, Trish. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't tell her I was putting it up. You're welcome. It's on Facebook. It's all over the world. I don't know what that face says, but it's awesome. Okay, next one. Uh, oh yeah, look at those. That's my daughter, Audra, and my wife, both in the background, going. Like we're in there. They're in the moment. Can you see they don't want that thing to fall, but they secretly do cuz that's their competition. Like there you go. Next one. Oh yeah, turn it up. <laughs> can you show that again? Look what happened. Can you can you do that again? Did you see that? (laughs) Oh, it's not over. Like, we're celebrating with him. That was awesome, man. (laughs) It still could fall any moment. Boom! baby (laughs) boom the joy of that moment i mean just 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 being in that moment church i love you i love doing this life with you i love the pains of what it means to grow together god is doing incredible things in each and every one of us how can we move in unison as his as his body of christ now this is a messed up bunch of people all right here, messed up, messed up. But we see messed up bunches of people all throughout the Bible. I mean, we see God using former demon-possessed people, tax collectors, doctors, fishermen, political, political radicals called zealots. We see Jesus using people that doubted, like Thomas, former prostitutes. We see Jesus using murderers and warriors, cheaters and liars, Jews and Gentiles, Samaritans, males and females, old people, Young people, educated people, not so educated people, extroverts, introverts, rich and poor. We see Jesus using you and we see Jesus using me. This is his church as we move together in unison. I want to end with this. And Jason talked about 1 Corinthians twelve 14. I'm going to end with this passage. We're his church. One body moving together. 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Look around. Many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, would there be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, would there be a sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, there would, would where would the body be? As it is. There are many parts, yet one body, moving in unison, fully alive individually as His church pushes back the gates of hell. This is what I want to be a part of, church. Amen? I'm going to ask us, if we would, to just close our eyes and reflect on these words. What's God doing and moving in you as you sit here this morning? What is God showing you as we sit here this morning? Some of us, we just need to spend some moments in silence just saying, God, can you show me how much you love me? Because right now I just don't feel loved. Just be vulnerable in this place. With, with God, just quietly to yourself. Just say, God, I, I, I get it. I know we're one body moving together in unison, each gifted, but I just don't feel very gifted. Like how, how could I be part of your body and what you're doing? Be honest with God. Just say, God, please show me what you've gifted me to be, how you've gifted me, And how my passions, the things that you're giving and instilling in me, how my giftings go together to move together as this body of Christ. God, I I need to just see glimpses of that. Some of us, it's just with a thankful heart that we can sit in silence and say, God, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for chasing after me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for including me in this body of Christ. I'm going to leave us with this, church. A prayer that God is moving in your heart right now. The Holy Spirit is moving in your heart right now. As we move forward this morning, let's continue to worship God in this place. If you have a child in Project Kids, if if you would quickly get up and quietly go retrieve that child and come back in here and worship together as a family. But as we worship Christ this morning, who he is and what he's done. We can do it in a multiple of ways. One, there's communion on the back right table. Take the piece of bread and dip it in the grape juice that represents his body and his blood that was poured out for us and do it in remembrance of Christ saying, thank you God for doing what you've done for me. I do this in remembrance. Thank you for defeating death. Thank you for calling me out of the grips of death, out of the grips of hell. Thank you for breaking the bondage of sin in my life. God, I remember you and I thank you in this. Some of us, we're going to continue worshiping God just by sitting or standing or writing our prayer requests or lifting our hands or using our voices to say, God, thank you for your love and thank you for your church. May we in unison be the body that leads in plurality of leadership as you use us to push back the gates of hell, to enter into hope and not despair, and to issue that hope and love to the world at large.